Chapter Twenty Nine of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Nine. A long conversation with Mister Chucks. The advantages of having a prayer book in your pocket. We run down the trades. Swinburne, the quartermaster, and his yarns the captain falls sick the next day the captain came on board with sealed orders with directions not to open them until off ushant in the afternoon we weighed and made sail it was a fine northerly wind and the bay of biscay was smooth we bore up set all the studding sails and ran along at the rate of eleven miles an hour as i could not appear on the quarter-deck i was put down on the sick list captain savage who was very particular asked what was the matter with me the surgeon replied an inflamed eye the captain asked no more questions and i took care to keep out of his way i walked in the evening on the forecastle when i renewed my intimacy with mr chucks the boatswain to whom i gave a full narrative of all my adventures in france i have been ruminatin mr simple said he how such a stripling as you could have gone through so much fatigue and now i know how it is it is blood mr simple all blood you are descended from good blood and there's as much difference between nobility and the lower classes as there is between a racer and a cart-horse i cannot agree with you mr chucks common people are quite as brave as those who are well-born you do not mean to say that you are not brave that the seamen on board the ship are not brave no no mr simple but as i observed about myself my mother was a woman who could not be trusted and there is no saying who was my father she was a very pretty woman to boot which levels all distinctions for the moment as for the seamen god knows i should do them an injustice if i did not acknowledge that they were as brave as lions but there are two kinds of bravery mr simple the bravery of the moment and the courage of bearing up for a long while do you understand me i think i do but still do not agree with you who will bear more fatigue than our sailors yes yes mr simple that is because they are endured to it from their hard life but if the common sailors were all such little thread papers as you and had been brought up so carefully they would not have gone through all you have that's my opinion mr simple there's nothing like blood i think mr chucks you carry your ideas on that subject too far i do not mr simple and i think moreover that he who has more to lose than another will always strive more but a common man only fights for his own credit but when a man is descended from a long line of people famous in history and has a coat in arms criss-crossed and stuck all over with lions and unicorns to support the dignity of why has he not to fight for the credit of all his ancestors whose names would be disgraced if he didn't behave well i agree with you mr chucks in the latter remark to a certain extent mr simple we never know the value of good descent when we have it but it's when we cannot get it that we can appreciate it i wish i had been born a nobleman i do by heavens and mr chucks slapped his fist against the funnel so as to make it ring again well mr simple he continued after a pause it is however a great comfort to me that i have parted company with that fool mr muddle with his twenty-six thousand and odd years and that old woman dispart the gunner huh, you don't know how those two men used to fret me it was very silly but i couldn't help it now the warrant officers of this ship appear to be very respectable quiet men who know their duty and attend to it and are not too familiar which i hate and detest 
you went home mr semple to your friends of course when you arrived in england i did mr chucks and spent some days with my grandfather lord privilege whom you say you met at dinner well and how was the old gentleman inquired the boatswain with a sigh very well considering his age now do pray mr simple tell me all about it from the time that the servants met you at the door until you went away describe to me the house and all the rooms for i like to hear of all these things although i can never see them again to please mr chucks i entered into a full detail which he listened to very attentively until it was late and then with difficulty would he permit me to leave off and go down to my hammock the next day rather a singular circumstance occurred one of the midshipmen was mastheaded by the second lieutenant for not waiting on deck until he was relieved he was down below when he was sent for and expecting to be punished from what the headmaster told him he thrust the first book into his jacket pocket which he could lay his hand on to amuse himself at the masthead and then ran on deck as he surmised he was immediately ordered aloft he had not been there more than five minutes when a sudden squall carried away the main topgallant mast and away he went flying over to leeward for the wind had shifted and the yards were now braced up had he gone overboard as he could not swim he would in all probability have been drowned but the book in his pocket brought him up in the jaws of the forebrace block where he hung until taken out by the main topman now it so happened that it was a prayer book which he had laid hold of in his hurry and those who were superstitious declared it was all owing to his having taken a religious book with him i did not think so as any other book would have answered the purpose quite as well still the midshipman himself thought so and it was productive of good as he was a sad scamp and behaved much better afterwards but i had nearly forgotten to mention a circumstance which occurred on the day of our sailing which will be eventually found to have had a great influence upon my afterlife it was this i received a letter from my father evidently written in great vexation and annoyance informing me that my uncle whose wife i have already mentioned had two daughters and was again expected to be confined had suddenly broke up his housekeeping discharged every servant and proceeded to ireland under an assumed name no reason had been given for this unaccountable proceeding and not even my grandfather or any of the members of the family had had notice of his intention indeed it was by mere accident that his departure was discovered about a fortnight after it had taken place my father had taken a great deal of pains to find out where he was residing but although my uncle was traced to cork from that town all clue was lost but still it was supposed from inquiries that he was not very far from thence now observed my father in his letter i cannot help surmising that my brother in his anxiety to retain the advantages of a title to his own family has resolved to produce to the world a spurious child as his own by some contrivance or another his wife's health is very bad and she is not likely to have a large family should the one now expected prove a daughter there is little chance of his ever having another and i have no hesitation in declaring it my conviction that the measure has been taken with a view of defrauding you of your chance of eventually being called to the house of lords i showed this letter to o'brien who after reading it over two or three times gave his opinion that my father was right in his conjectures depend upon it pater there's foul play intended that is if foul play is rendered necessary but o'brien i cannot imagine why if my uncle has no son of his own he should prefer acknowledging his son of any other persons instead of his nephew but i can pater your uncle is not a man likely to live very long as you know the doctor says that with his short neck his life is not worth two years purchase now if he had a son consider that his daughters would be much better off 
and much more likely to get married besides there are many reasons which i won't talk about now because it's no use making you think your uncle is a scoundrel but i tell you what i'll do i'll go down to my cabin directly and write to father mcgrath telling him the whole affair and desiring him to ferret him out and watch him narrowly and i'll bet you a dozen of claret that in less than a week he'll find him out and will dog him to the last he'll get hold of his irish servants and you little know the power that a priest has in our country now give the description as well as you can of your uncle's appearance also that of his wife and the number of their family and their ages father mcgrath must have all particulars and then let him alone for doing what is needful i complied with o'brien's directions as well as i could and he wrote a very long letter to father mcgrath which was sent on shore by a careful hand i answered my father's letter and then thought no more about the matter our sealed orders were opened and proved our destination to be the west indies as we expected we touched at madeira to take in some wine for the ship's company but as we only remained one day we were not permitted to go on shore fortunate indeed would it have been if we had never gone there for the day after our captain who had dined with the consul was taken alarmingly ill from the symptoms the surgeon dreaded that he had been poisoned by something which he had eaten and which most probably had been cooked in a copper vessel not properly tinned we were all very anxious that he should recover but on the contrary he appeared to grow worse and worse every day wasting away and dying as they say by inches at last he was put in his cot and never rose from it again this melancholy circumstance added to the knowledge that we were proceeding to an unhealthy climate caused a gloom throughout the ship and although the trade wind carried us along bounding over the bright blue sea although the weather was now warm yet not too warm although the sun rose in splendour and all was beautiful and cheering the state of the captain's health was a check to all mirth every one trod the deck softly and spoke in a low voice that he might not be disturbed all were anxious to have the morning report of the surgeon and our conversation was generally upon the sickly climate the yellow fever of death and the palisades where they buried us swinburne the quartermaster was in my watch and as he had been long in the west indies i used to obtain all the information from him that i could the old fellow had a secret pleasure in frightening me as much as he could really mr simple you ask so many questions he would say as i accosted him while he was at his station at the con i wish you wouldn't ask so many questions and make yourself uncomfortable steady so steady it is with regard to yellow jack as we calls the yellow fever it's a devil incarnate that's certain you're well and able to take your allowance in the morning and dead as a herring for night first comes a bit of a headache you goes to the doctor who bleeds you like a pig then you go out of your senses then up comes the black vomit and then it's all over with you and you go to the land crabs who pick your bones as clean and as white as a sea elephant's tooth but there be one thing to be said in favour of yellow jack after all you die straight like a gentleman not cribbed up like a snowfish chucked out on the ice of the river st lawrence with your knees up to your nose or your toes stuck in your armpits as does take place in some of your foreign complaints but straight quite straight and limber like a gentleman still jack is a little mischievous that's sartain in the year dizzy we had as fine a ship's company as was ever piped aloft steady starboard my man you're half a pint off your curse we dropped our anchor in port royal and we thought that there was mischief brewing 
for thirty-eight sharks followed the ship into the harbor and played about us day and night i used to watch them during the night watch as their fins above water skimmed along leaving a trail of light behind them and the second night i said to the sentry abaft as i was looking at them smelling under the counter soldier says i them sharks are mustering under the orders of yellow jack and i no sooner mentioned yellow jack than the sharks gave a frisky plunge every one of them as much as to say yes so we are damn your eyes the soldier was so frightened that he would have fallen overboard if i hadn't caught him by the scruff of the neck for he was standing on the top of the taffrail as it was he dropped his musket over the stern which the sharks dashed at from every quarter making the sea look like fire and he had it charged to his wages one pound fifteen shillings i think however the fate of his musket gave him an idea of what would have happened to him if he had fallen instead of it and he never got on the taffrail again steady port mind your helm smith you can listen to my yarn all the same well mr simple yellow jack came sure enough first the purser was called to account for all his roguery we didn't care much about the land grabs eating him who made so many poor dead men chew tobacco cheating their wives and relations or greenwich hospital as it might happen then went two of the middies just about your age mr simple they poor fellows went off in a sad hurry then went the master and so it went on till at last we had no more nor sixty men left in the ship the captain died last and then yellow jack had filled his maw and left the rest of us alone as soon as the captain died all the sharks left the ship and we never saw any more of them such were the yarns told to me and the other midshipmen during the night watches and i can assure the reader that they gave us no small alarm every day that we worked our day's work and found ourselves so much nearer to the islands did we feel as if we were so much nearer to our graves i once spoke to o'brien about it and he laughed tighter says he fear kills more people than the yellow fever or any other complaint to the west indies swinburne is an old rogue and only laughing at you the devil's not half so black as he's painted nor the yellow fever half so yellow i presume we were now fast nearing the island of barbados the weather was beautiful the wind always fair the flying fish rose in shoals startled by the foaming seas which rolled away and roared from the bows as our swift frigate cleaved through the water the porpoises played about us in thousands the bonitas and dolphins at one time chased the flying fish and at others appeared to be delighted in keeping company with the rapid vessel everything was beautiful and we all should have been happy had it not been for the state of captain savage in the first place who daily became worse and worse and from the dread of the hell which we were about to enter through such a watery paradise mr falcon who was in command was grave and thoughtful he appeared indeed to be quite miserable at the chance which would ensure his own promotion in every attention and every care that could be taken to ensure quiet and afford relief to the captain he was unremitting the offence of making a noise was now with him a greater crime than drunkenness or even mutiny when within three days sail of barbados it fell almost calm and the captain became much worse and now for the first time did we behold the great white shark of the atlantic there are several kinds of sharks but the most dangerous are the great white shark and the ground shark the former grows to an enormous length the latter is seldom very long not more than twelve feet but spreads to a great breadth we could not hook the sharks as they played around us for mr falcon would not permit it lest the noise of hauling them on board should disturb the captain a breeze again sprang up 
in two days we were close to the island and the men were desired to look out for the land end of chapter twenty nine